Good morning. Welcome to Discovery's Digital Gathering. We are glad you're here. We are excited for what God has in store this morning. We want to invite you to download our app, which will help you stay current with our community and get further connected by filling out our new visitor card. Let's prepare our hearts for worship and for the adventure of discovering the good news of Jesus together. Hello, Discover family. So good to be with you today. Um, I'm excited to continue this conversation. If this is your first time, my name is Antonio Reyes, and I get to be the pastor, uh, one of the pastors here at Discovery, um, serve under Pastor Stephen. Today, um, our second week on, on this topic, on Ecclesia, uh, Pastor Steve shared last week, you know, um, on this beautiful, it was insightful. And we're going to be talking about this movement, this movement that has impacted human history. That like Pastor Steve said, it didn't begin with the A, B, and C, the one, two, three, or how to put a church together. But it began like an organic movement that has impacted so many people that you and I are byproduct of that movement that started so organically. But see, today... I'm probably going to challenge you a little bit, if you allow me. Today, I want to talk to you about the gospel that disrupts and confronts. The gospel that disrupts and confronts. See, because I'm afraid that we have lived in in this Western society, that we have diluted and reduced this message. That we have opposed to any disruption and any confrontation that this message brings to our lives and to the lives of other people. See, if this is your first time, or, or, or maybe you're trying to think and make sense of who God is, who Jesus is, and you haven't made you haven't made a clear decision. Hey, look, I don't blame you because in any given moment, when you actually decide, if you ever do, this message is going to confront you and it is, is going to disrupt your life. That this movement that started with the Jewish community and it became so diverse where men and women were able to be part of it. With poor and rich, with slave or free, with educated or uneducated people were able to be part of this movement and everybody was treated equal. To the point that this was a threat to the most one of the most powerful empires that we have ever known, the Roman Empire. And not because they were a military movement, but because they were not conforming to the status school. See, when we talk about disruption, I'm not talking about commotion. I'm not talking about noise. See, it doesn't have to be chaotic to be disrupted. When I talk about disruption, I'm talking about a new normal. I'm talking about challenging the status quo. I'm, tra- I'm talking about breaking out of order. And we have a clear example of this, 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 uh, this message. And what can it cause in people's lives? See, we have the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul. That goes to this new city called Ephesus. Ephesus. And I want to read you a couple verses of what's happening when Paul decides to to speak this message to this city. And this is one of the byproducts of this. And Acts chapter 19 verse 11 says this. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When the hard chiefs and the aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on the sick people, they were healed 
of their diseases and evil spirits were spelled. A group of Jewish was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus and their incantation saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Siva and leading, leading priests were doing this. But, no, but one time when they tried, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the men with the evil spirit leap on them and overpower them and attack them with such a violence that they flew from their house naked. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to the Jewish Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who have been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them on public bonf and the public bonfire. The value of the books were several millions of dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had powerful effects. This is crazy to be able to experience these things just by communicating this message of this Jesus. Have you ever experienced anyone that have uh, confronted you or, or disrupt your life? You know, we have a neg negative connotation about confronting and disruption, but there are also healthy ways. You know, uh, a couple years ago when I, uh, when I start, when I began to serve him in, in, in my local church in the city of Long Beach, I came under this, this powerful woman, her and her husband were uh, co-leading the church. And when I mean co-leading, both of them were actually leading the church. So it so happens that as I was trying to serve the community, I came under her. Her name is Noemi Chavez, and, and she became one, to this day, one of my mentors. But I remember that woman is, is a woman that when she comes into a room, you feel the presence of her being in the room. She's a woman that she communicates clearly. She tells you her expectations, and she has no problem in calling you out when she needs to. So... I'll be honest, I was hesitating already to be under her, but it didn't matter, you know? One of these days I remember as I began to lead the, the young adults of our church, I decided to, uh, to plant, uh, plant this, this event in the beach with all the young adults. So one of the things that you need to know about me is that I'm horrible administrating. I'm horrible. Sometimes I over plan, I, I over, uh, over book myself and things. I have done many times and I'm just awful. So this is one of those times that I overbooked myself. I had to work that weekend and I actually uh, booked an event for our young adults. But I didn't do anything, obviously. I waited to the day and I was trying to figure out how to how to get away, you know, how to actually go to the, to the beach. And, and I remember that uh, one of the things that I was trying to figure out, I was like, man, how many people are going? And I remember I was going through it and I didn't see anyone register for the event. And I was like, well, nobody's going, only my leaders. So only four of you guys. I'm like, um, I'm just going to cancel it. You know, it's, it's just not worth it. And, and it was so convenient to me to just cancel it, you know. So I remember I, I, I typed a text message. I was like, she's going to be okay with it. I mean, it, why not? Nobody's going. Nobody has signed up. So I'm just going to get away with it. So I text her and I... I received a text message back. And only two women in my life uh, causes this anxiety in me with this type of message. She told me, we need to talk. 
I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to kill me. I remember I was so nervous when I picked up the phone. And I don't even remember the whole conversation, but I remember that she told me, Antonio, in this church, we never cancel events. It doesn't matter how many people show up to the event, you still go on with it. And she told me, I want you to grow as a leader. Don't matter how many people go, I still want you to be committed to this. And I remember that I was upset. I was irritated by the comment. I was like, but but nobody's going. Like in my mind, I never I never shared this because I was afraid, you know. But but I remember I was so irritated. Years later, I can actually thank her so much because that little decision that challenged me in that moment. That disrupted my complacency in that moment. Be complacent in that moment. She elevated me above my comfort. She required for me something that I didn't know I, I needed a gift. And that was my commitment and my consistency to what I said I was going to do. See, this is what I believe. This is the narrative of the gospel. This message elevates you and invites you to be part of a life that you don't even have a, the, the most minimal idea of what can cost in you and what can cost in other people. See, Paul decides to go to one of the most important cities and an epicenter of the Roman gods and the Greek gods in that time. And that's Ephesus. See, Ephesus was known by this very popular religion by this god called Artemis. Perhaps one of the most popular woman gods or gods in that time. That she had the seven wonders of the ancient world as her house. Many historians said that that um, that uh, Caesar would actually storage his money in that temple because it was so secure. See, it was this religion that would dominate the culture of that time. It dominated the calendar. It dominated the economic system. It dominated the the, the social landscape. It was there was nothing like it. And Paul decides to go to this place and speak about this Jewish carpenter by the name of Jesus and the power that was behind that message. See, if we go back to verse 11, it says, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When the heart, the, hang, the handkerchiefs and the aprons, the hammerly touched his skin, were placed on sick people. They were healed of diseases and evil spirits were, were spelled. This is ridiculous, people. What type of power is flowing through this guy? What is going on? See, one of the things that I don't want you to miss is this. That what I believe, the disruption that I believe is happening outside, it didn't begin in the outside. It began in the inner world of Paul. It began in the heart of Paul. And this is the the first statement that I want you to hold on to it. And it's this. That the disruption of the outside is only a byproduct of the disruption you allow in your inside. Let me repeat this again. The disruption you allow in the outside is a byproduct of only, only, only what you allow in your inner world. See, I believe that this is, this is such a powerful thing. See, it began in the heart of Paul. When he said yes to this message of Jesus, when he decided to, to, to allow this message to rearrange his beliefs, his priorities, his, his relationship with others, his goals, he surrendered everything. 
that he have encountered. And he allowed and he allowed this message to shape his inner world without knowing they had an effect in the exterior. I believe that as you allow this message to shape your inner world, things can happen in the outside and the exterior in your life. But it so happens that you need to allow this disruption to shape you. See, the reason why I begin in this place is because for the miracles is something secondary. Nonetheless, they are important. Nonetheless, it's it's important because we have reduced this message to our our understanding. The way we try to rationalize everything. We try to make sense of this. And can can I just challenge you today as you read the story of Paul? That... Whatever is coming out of Paul is not just something in the outside. It's what already happened in his inner world. And I, I just want to challenge you today that as you read the story of Paul, that you can push away against those things that have reduced your faith. They have reduced it to the parameters that you have said about God. See, to me, this story is more about the disruption that happened in the inside world of Paul. And how is that manifesting in the outside? It's just a byproduct of what he allowed in his own life. See, this moment is so, so outstanding to me. Because my question to you, are you willing to engage in this message? And are you willing to engage to the point that unexpected things can happen? Indescribable events, indescribable events can happen in your own life, but just saying yes to the disruption of this message. You know, um, I want to tell you a story, and I'm not here to convince you about miracles and about the supernatural or, or, or any of those things. But I just want to tell you because I have this sense that I'm speaking to people that they struggle with this a lot. And I'm, I'm one of those people, I'm very skeptical about things. I overanalyze everything. I, I, I evaluate everything. Is that real? That is not. I'm that type of person. Years ago, I was um, um, hanging out in LA with some friends and my wife. And we went to one of my friend's church. It was in a house. It was no more than 10 people. And uh, four of those people were us and my friends, you know. So I remember we show up to the house and... It was only a few people, and we were outside waiting for the gathering to begin. And I remember that Gabby and I were talking about um, something that we heard happening in the Bible school that we went to. And they were saying that they saw angels and, and, and gold falling from the sky. And, and, and immediately, I, I disregard that. I was like, there's no purpose for it. It's just not true. And we were talking with Gabby, with my wife, this whole time, and... We were just criticizing this whole thing. It's just, it's not gonna happen, you know? It's not something that, that it happens at this point in time. I remember that we went inside, and, and trust me, we actually look around to, to, to check that nobody was actually listening to the conversation. So I remember we went inside the house as we started the gathering. One of the first things that the pastor said, she, she said, there's two young people they are in this belief of the power that God has and what he can do. That they just had a conversation and you guys are disregarding God and what he can do. And I remember I turned around and I saw Gabby and Gabby's 
Sama, I mean, we didn't know what to do. We froze for a moment. Now, I don't know if that event happened with those guys. But what can I, what, the thing that I can tell you right now is that God was trying to disrupt my life and saying, no, 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 do not reduce me. No, 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 do not put parameters in the things that I can do because I'm so much more than that. He disrupted that in my own life to this day. So do not, do not minimize, do not reduce your faith to the only the things that you can actually explain. Can I just say that? See, one of the things that, that Paul does in this whole thing is that he challenges, he challenges the spirituality of that time in Ephesus. See, they were very well known by, by being very mystical, some very spir- spirituals. But, but what's happening is that Paul comes and challenges them. He challenges the, the, the selfish, self-absorbed religion that they had. And I believe that the miracles were more to serve people, to heal people, to, to be generous with people. And that time, being religious was more about them than about others. And, and, and Paul comes and disrupts that with this message. That this spirituality... That this message that we call the gospel calls us to a new humanity, calls us to a new direction. It, it sets you right with other people and with God. It sets you up right with the soil and the earth. It invites you to adventure with people that you don't even know and they don't look like you, they don't talk like you, they don't walk like you. It shapes your priorities and your value. It confronts you and challenges the focus of your obsession. You best believe. That this message is going to disrupt and challenge everything. And it challenges the spirituality of that moment. Can I just ask you a question that is, that is resume. It's, it's a resume of this moment in Acts chapter 19 verse 23. And it begins like this. About that time, Sears travel developed in Ephesus concerning the way. Can I repeat this again? About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. The way is talking about the people that believe in Jesus. That's how they used to call them. My question to you and to me today is, are people concerned or the city concerned about the way we practice this message of Jesus? Are people concerned about the way we practice the ways of Jesus? This is a question that only you can answer. See, because he comes and challenges the spirituality, but he also comes and challenges the economic system in that time. A sub, sub-economic system in that time, which was the religion in that time. The money that they were making with what were they selling. See, I remember... Um, a couple years ago in, in the city of Long Beach, one of the things that the city of Long Beach was very concerned about was um, uh, what was happening with human trafficking. And they found a correlation between the girls of the foster care system that, was, that were transitioning out of their homes when they were old enough and the human trafficking, that the pimps were identifying those girls and they would select them, they would uh, connect with them and by the time they were actually getting out of their home, they would actually take them with them. It was a subculture of economic system in the city of Long Beach and the city didn't know how to fix it or what to do. 
So this woman by the name of Tracy Colunga, that worked for the city and used to, it comes to a church in, in the city of Long Beach. She didn't know what to do, but she wanted to help. So she decided to bring it to the pastor of our church. Remember Pastor Noemi that I tell you that was my mentor. She brought it to her. And they started this conversation. They decided to put this event together called Bray, where what they were going to do is that they were going to celebrate and empower all the girls in the foster care system. And they, they were going to develop this system where they were going to provide mentorship for these girls. They brought all sponsorships together and they brought a bunch of people to do their makeup, their nails, to make them feel pretty and power. They brought speakers together. They party. They, they did a great event. And it started with 150 girls. And it went to a 300 the next year. It went to 500 the following one. It went to a thousand and something girls to one point. To the point that other churches were connecting with our church. Trying to figure out how do we put this event together. And how do we connect with the girls in the foster care system in our area. And it became a nonprofit. And everything began. But this woman of Tracy Colunga. That feels something in her soul. That she wanted to serve the church. But... There was a need in the city of Long Beach that nobody knew how to solve it and that she wanted to serve and help. So as we talk about this, this message is going to challenge everything. See, when you talk about money, you talk people's hearts too because when you tap into people's money, you tap into people's hearts. But it, it so happens, it so happens that Paul was not trying to, to disrupt their economic system. But this message, is, it was so dangerous that would challenge the way of life, including their economy. So to me, the second question that I have about this message is, and if you allow this message to disrupt your own life, what is this message inviting you to disrupt or confront yourself? What is this message inviting you to disrupt or confront yourself? Because it's inviting you to something. See, something that you and I need to understand is, is this is just a side note is that sometimes we need to understand that this message will disrupt without disrespect or minimize other people. And this is something that we're not so good and well known in our country. We're not respectful sometimes. We actually minimize people and dehumanize people by what they believe and what, what they don't believe. See? So I close this moment, this conversation. This might feel out of place, but this is still part of the story of Paul. In chapter 20, after three years of being in Ephesus and working hard and serving that city, Paul feels that God is calling him to some other place, that he needs to go to another city and, and he needs to move on. I think sometimes we... We don't put, we, we, we don't understand how difficult that is. I have come to know in my own life that letting go of things that you have built, things that you have developed, that you have put your heart in, that you love, and letting go of those things is not the easiest things. Transitions are, has been one of the hardest things for my own life and my own narrative and my own relationship with Jesus. And you have this man in this moment and acts. Chapter 20, verse 22, saying, And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me. Listen, 
Paul is transitioning to something else and he doesn't know what that is yet. He just feels that he needs to let go and transition to something else. Except that the Holy Spirit tells me in the city, after city, the jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned, assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about this wonderful grace of God. Do you have Paul saying, man, Paul has been for three years, developed a relationship with people, win people, transform people. He almost lost his life there. And now God is saying, I need you to trust me and let go of this. I need you to trust me and let go of this. I need, I, I need you for something else. See, I believe the transition sometimes is letting go of something that you love and you value. Can I ask you a question today? What is this disruption asking from you? What is this disruption asking you to let go today? See, this next month in the month of April is gonna be one year since my wife and I decided to move from Los Angeles to Northern California. It's probably one of the hardest decisions I have ever made. 13 years of my life living in LA and developing relationships, uh, finding opportunities, developing such friendships that became my family. You know that pastor and I, I mean, she became like my mom. It was one of the hardest things I ever experienced. And all of a sudden one day I just felt like it was time to transition. That didn't make it easy. I just had to move on. I had to let go of something that I thought it was mine. I had a bunch of people part of our church that uh, that I didn't know what was gonna happen with them. But it was never they were never mine. It was they were God's. And I had to let, learn how to let go and transition now for the new thing that God had for me. So today as you meditate in these questions. The disruption that happens in the outside is only a byproduct of what happens in your inside and what you allow to happen in your inside. Also, if this message is, is disrupting you, what is inviting you to disrupt in other people and other surroundings and confront in other places? And third, what is this disruption asking from you to let go today? You know, transition can be very hard and very complicated. There was a quote of one of my favorite authors that sustained me through this transition. And it's found, you can find it in social media. His name is Scott Erickson. And this sentence, this, this couple of sentences and this art that he made just shaped my life. And that was those words that sustained me through very difficult moments in this transition. And he says this. It is painful to outgrow the form you call your home for such a long time. We all go through some form of this. Hometown, perspective, even religious practices. And religious practices are hard because all religious practices are about identity and where we feel we belong. So, when you feel the claustrophobia and the tightness, it's overwhelming to think you don't fit anymore. And you need to change in some way. 
But the wonder and the gift of transformation is this. Awakening to the truth that your shell was never your home. The ocean is. Family, as we transition to this moment of, of communion, and we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, meditate in this gospel and this message that is disrupting your own life and is confronting you. See, one of the things that I want you to understand when my pastor challenged me that night and confronted me with my lack of commitment, she was not against me. She was for me. She was for me because she wanted to see the best version of Antonio. And this message of the gospel is for you, not against you. That if it's confronting you or it's disrupting you, it's not because it's against you, but it's for you. Let's take a moment. Let's meditate and take this moment of reflection about the sacrifice of Jesus. Family, as we close this discovery, I want to leave you with this. I want you to wake into the truth that your shell was never your home. The ocean is. Let this disruption invite you to the unknown, to the undescribable. Let this change you. We love your discovery.